European Hearts Journal issue at a glance. Volume 39, issue 46. Focus issue on coronary artery disease by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Assessing myocardial ischemia in epicardial coronaries and the microcirculation. Coronary artery disease is caused by atherosclerotic plaques in most patients. Although any plaque may rupture or erode and cause an acute coronary syndrome, under stable conditions, only those that are hemodynamically significant cause ischemia and or angina. But what is hemodynamically significant? The eyeballing of operators based on two-dimensional angiograms lost credit with the introduction of intracoronary pressure measurements or angiographic fractional flow reserve. Today, Non-invasive imaging or invasive physiological assessment, administration of vasodilating or positive inotropic agent is considered indispensable to assess the relevance of coronary plaques and recommended by recent guidelines. In their review, Coronary Autoregulation and Assessment of Stenosis Severity Without Pharmacological Vasodilation Gouas de Vaard and colleagues from the VU University Medical Centre Amsterdam in the Netherlands remind us that three different modalities exist to quantify myocardial ischemia without pharmacological stress, i.e. contrast echocardiography, imaging of myocardial blood volume, or invasive coronary pressure measurement with the instantaneous wave-free ratio. The theoretical framework of these vasodilator-free modalities revolves around the two innate mechanisms that protect the myocardium from ischemia at rest, coronary autoregulation and arteriogenesis. Coronary autoregulation and metabolic dilation form the putative processes that regulate microvascular tone and constitute a complex interplay between metabolic factors myogenic control, and endothelium-dependent mechanisms that each interact with coronary arterioles of a different size. Arteriogenesis provides large collateral arteries from a pre-existing network triggered by ischemia. The instantaneous wave-free ratio is effective in determining the hemodynamic significance of coronary stenoses as shown in two randomized trials. This issue is further evaluated in the original research article Fractional Flow Reserve, Instantaneous Wave-Free Ratio and Resting PD-PA compared with 15O-H2O Positron Emission Tomography Myocardial Perfusion Imaging by Gustavard and colleagues from the University Medical Center Amsterdam in 320 coronary arteries, of which 136 coronary stenoses of 129 stable patients. ROC curve analysis for positron emission tomography, hyperemic myocardial flow below 2.3 milliliters per minute per gram in coronary stenoses was 0.78 for fractional flow reserve, 0.74 for instantaneous wave-free ratio, and 0.75 for PD-PA with no significant differences between the modalities. Thus, fractional flow reserve, instantaneous wave-free ratio, and PD-PA perform similarly compared to positron emission tomography, 
clinically relevant findings that are further discussed in an editorial by William C. Vines from the National University of Ireland in Galway, Ireland. Besides coronary stenosis, microvascular dysfunction and or vasospasm are causes of ischemia, particularly in patients with no obstructive coronary artery disease or inoka. In their fast track, systemic microvascular dysfunction in microvascular and vasospastic angina, Colin Berry and colleagues from the University of Glasgow in Scotland, UK, tested the hypothesis whether such patients also have functional abnormalities in peripheral arteries. Patients were categorized as having microvascular angina, vasospastic angina, or normal control based on coronary artery function tests using endothelial and endothelial-independent agonist, i.e. acetylcholine and adenosine, respectively. Gluteal biopsies of subcutaneous fat were performed in 81 subjects and resistance arteries dissected and analyzed in the micrograph. Maximum relaxation to acetylcholine was reduced in microvascular angina compared to controls, while endothelium-independent relaxation was similar. Also, the contraction to ET1 and to a thromboxane agonist was greater in microvascular angina. Thus, systemic microvascular abnormalities are present in patients with microvascular or vasospastic angina. These processes may involve ET1 and were characterized by enhanced vasoconstriction and endothelial dysfunction, findings that are put into context in a thoughtful editorial by Amir Lerman from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, USA. Inflammation is the new risk factor in coronary artery disease. Indeed, with CANTOS, inhibition of the interleukin pathway became a reality in patients with a history of an acute coronary syndrome. However, it remains unknown as to what percentage of stable patients treated with percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, have a high residual inflammatory risk. Moreover, the impact of residual inflammatory risk on clinical outcomes has not been established. In their article, Residual Inflammatory Risk and the Impact on Clinical Outcomes in Patients After Percutaneous Coronary Interventions, Roxana Mehran and colleagues from the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York, USA, determined in a retrospective cohort of 7,025 patients, the prevalence with persistent high levels of inflammation after PCI as defined as a high-sensitive C-reactive protein, or CRP, greater than or equal 2 mg per litre. Patients were divided into four groups, persistent, increased, first low, then high HSCRP, attenuated, first high, then low HSCRP, or persistent low residual inflammatory risk. Of these patients, 38% had persistent, 10% increased, 15% attenuated, and 37% persistent low residual inflammatory risk. All-cause mortality at one year was 2.6% in patients with persistent high residual inflammatory risk 
compared to 1.0% in those with increased, 0.3% in attenuated, and 0.7% in those with persistent low residual inflammatory risk. The prevalence of myocardial infarction at one year was 7.5, 6.4, 4.6, and 4.3% respectively. Thus, Persistent high residual inflammatory risk is frequent in patients undergoing PCI and is associated with a higher rate of all-cause mortality and myocardial infarction at one year. The clinical relevance of these findings is outlined in an editorial by Paul Ridker from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. In patients undergoing PCI, effective platelet inhibition is essential to avoid intracoronary thrombus formation. In the Champion Phoenix trial, the potent rapidly acting intravenous platelet ADP receptor antagonist Cangrelor reduced the 48-hour incidence of major adverse cardiac events compared with a loading dose of clopidogrel. In their article, Impact of Lesion Complexity on Periprocedural Adverse Events and the Benefit of Potent Intravenous Platelet ADP Receptor Inhibition After PCI, Core Laboratory Analysis from 10,854 Patients from the Champion Phoenix Trial, Greg W. Stone and colleagues from the Columbia University Medical Center in New York, USA, sought to determine whether the efficacy of Cangrelor varies in 10,942 patients of the Champion Phoenix trial with simple as compared to complex target lesions such as bifurcation, left main, thrombus, angulated, tortuous, eccentric, calcified, long, or multi-lesion treatment. The 48-hour MACE rate in clopidogrel-treated patients increased progressively with lesion complexity from 3.3% to 4.4%, 6.9%, and 8.7%, respectively. Cangrelor reduced the 48-hour rate of MACE by 21%, regardless of lesion complexity and presentation, while major bleeding rates were unrelated to lesion complexity and were not increased by Cangrelor. Thus, periprocedural MACE is strongly dependent on the number of treated high-risk target lesions and reduced by Cangrelor compared to clopidogrel. These findings are put into context in an editorial by Deba Brata Mukherjee from Texas Tech University in El Paso, Texas, USA. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.